Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. Here is my girlfriend's signature joke. What do you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. <laughs> I'm Brendan Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano. From 89.3 KPCC in Los Angeles, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that gives you talking points and balmos to help you win your next dinner party. This week's icebreaker came from our guest of honor, the mashup musician known as Girl Talk. We'll be speaking with him later. But first, as with any dinner party, we start off with small talk. Your friends are going to bring up certain topics at this weekend's party. We're about to tell you what those topics are, and more importantly, how to respond. We're going to put the un in conventional wisdom. Topic number one, anthrax. Army scientist Bruce Ivins, the guy suspected of sending that poison in the mail back in 2001, killed himself before he could go to trial. What can we add to that conversation? Well, first of all, Rico, a trial did happen this week, and it was of Osama bin Laden's driver. And it looks like he's going to serve a little under six months in prison. Not a lot. Yeah, so the point that we're not going to hear is, I mean, this week has been 2001 redux. The two most frightening stories of 2001 have turned into the two most anticlimactic stories of 2008. But, you know, at least we have a war, right? That's true. There's drama there. Topic number two, airlines. This week, they did their level best to suck even more. Uh, Northwest now is levying a fuel surcharge, I understand. I know, which is like buying a ham sandwich and being charged a meat surcharge. <laughs> I mean, what were we going to do without fuel in, in an airplane? But even worse than that, last Friday, U.S. Airways started charging $2 for soft drinks. And I know I can buy 27 liters of this stuff at a convenience store for a nickel. But, what? I mean, Rico... We're Americans. When don't we pay for things? Think about it. On a plane, you get sodas, you get headphones, you get blankets, you get movies. When you go to a movie theater, you spend $6 on a soda. But the ticket doesn't cost, you know, $975. Not yet. And finally, topic number three, the death of old media, the latest example being the Los Angeles Times. A few years ago, they won a ton of Pulitzers, but over the last few weeks, they laid off 150 people. You know, I think the problem with newspapers is they're useful. They give you information to help you make better decisions about your life and your democracy. Oh, it's terrible. Maybe they can learn something from the Daily Candy, which is an email newsletter that shows up in people's inboxes and tells them about one trendy new thing each day. It sold for $125 million to Comcast this week. Yeah, but um, just imagine the Pulitzers, the daily candy is going to crank out. That's true. Pulitzer committees have a soft spot for the hottest spot to buy cupcakes. I know that you want the candy. I Time for cocktails. This is where we tell you something that happened this week in history, and afterwards we give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like a history lesson with booze. First, the history. This week back in 1936, African-American track star Jesse Owens became an Olympic legend. Owens won four gold medals at the games in Nazi Germany that year. Most folks at your dinner party will know that. Our friend Michelle Philippi tells you a few things they won't know. In 1935, Jesse Owens fell down some stairs and injured his back. A week later at a college track meet, he broke three world records anyway in 45 minutes. 1930s America was segregated. On the boat on his way to the Olympics, Owens had to stay in a third-class cabin. He won an award for best-dressed man on the ship. 
Simmons was the first American to win four Olympic gold medals. Afterwards, Hitler avoided shaking his hand. But back home, President Franklin Roosevelt ignored him too. Three months before an election, FDR didn't want to lose the Southern vote. After the Olympics, Owen skipped some European meets and was suspended from amateur competition. The world's fastest human being has a word to say about his suspension. I was tired, I wanted to come home. After all, I haven't seen my wife for three months, and I'm very glad to be back home to see her. For a while, he earned cash by competing in exhibition races. Against racehorses, he usually won. By the 1970s, Owen hit his stride. He ran a PR firm, DJed a jazz radio show, and became a goodwill ambassador. He died in 1980 of lung cancer. He'd been a pack-a-day smoker for his entire athletic career. So that's the history. Now for the booze. On the line is Paul Rodriguez. He's the beverage director at Tinto in Philadelphia, and he's speaking to me from behind the bar there. Paul, what cocktail does Jesse Owens' story inspire you to make? You know, it reminds me of an old cocktail uh, from that era called the Olympic. I think I see where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> but what would be fitting for this particular event is combining this cocktail with another called the Berliner. Wait, hold on for a second. Is this going to taste okay? I mean, can you do that? No, no, I think this can work. Take a martini glass, and uh, what you're going to do is you're going to take a German uh, caraway liquor called Kumel. Kumel. Kumel, yeah. Is that like but, Sambuca? Or? Uh, yeah, it's sort of like a, an anise-flavored sort of sweet liqueur. Put a couple of dashes in the glass and then rinse it out so the aromatics of the caraway stay in the glass. Okay. And then basically you make the Olympic, which is a, a combination of uh, fresh-squeezed orange juice, a little triple sec, a little red curacao, and uh, brandy. Is this what an aged Mary Lou Retton and Bruce Jenner sit around drinking? <laughs> Getting soused on these? <laughs> I'm sure with Diet Coke. <laughs> a victory cocktail. Stars of track and field you are. Stars of track and field you are. You can fix yourself a victory cocktail, even though you probably didn't even climb stairs today. To get the recipe for the Berliner Olympic, go to kpcc.org, click on off-ramp, and you can find us there. Our guest of honor this week is the sample-based musician known as Girl Talk. First of all, should I call you simply Girl, or do you prefer Mr. Talk? Uh, you know, Greg is okay. <laughs> Your real name is Greg Gillis, of course. Yep. All right, you've got a new album called Feed the Animals. You are in the middle of a national tour. You just played the Lollapalooza Festival last weekend in Chicago. You're known for mashing together hundreds of songs to create new, sort of very danceable tunes of your own. And you've been interviewed pretty extensively about all of this, yes? Mm-hmm, that's true. So we have two standard questions on this show, and the first is... What question do you always get asked in interviews, the one you're kind of sick of? Number one would be, have you been sued yet? For using all those samples? Yeah. They're, you know, unlicensed, but there's a thing called Creative Commons where you're allowed to make transformative work out of pre-existing media. We haven't been sued, so there's always a very boring answer to it. I'm curious, what's the most samples you've ever packed into one song? I know in the new album there's over 300 samples. Divide that by 14 tracks, you know, that's the average. Alright, so here's question two. Now that we know what everyone knows about you, tell us something we don't know. 
something no one else at our dinner party is going to know. All right. Well, I think in a lot of interviews, people ask me, you know, how I got started in the music. And I always say that I was in like an experimental band in high school, but no one actually asks me about that band. Hey, what about that band? <laughs> and I'm, our claim to fame was we would smash computers and light off fireworks at the audience. It was just very confrontational. When we were in high school this time, there's a talent show. So during the rehearsals, we did our show and we just smashed stuff and lit off fireworks and they physically like stopped us from playing and kicked us out of the talent show. So the senior year came around and this time the game plan was to play traditional music during the rehearsals and then get up there and do our normal set for the actual show. So you'd sort of sound like Yo-Yo Mod during the rehearsals? <laughs> exactly. We got into the actual show and then the whole school was kind of like, oh, this is going to be great. You guys are going to, you know, trash the place. It's going to be amazing. They thought you were going to set off a neutron bomb. Right. So we kind of flipped it on we just stood completely still while two repeating noise loops just looped over and over and over again. After like 10 minutes, people were just running out of the room and, um, and eventually they just pulled the plug and actually broke the PA system. What was the name of this band? We are called the Joysticks Battle, the Scan Feed Relay to Your Skull. If you want to subject yourself to a full tune from Joysticks Battle, the Scan Feed Relay to Your Skull, we've got one. Go to kpcc.org, click on off-ramp, and look for the photo of folks having a dinner party. We've had drinks and met our guest of honor. Now it's time for the main course, the part of the show where we teach you about food. And this week, we're going to learn about the pawpaw. I know that might sound like a jungle rash, but it's actually a fruit. And this week marks the beginning of the pawpaw harvest. John Legere is one of only a few guys in America who grows it commercially. I caught up with him at a farmer's market in San Rafael, California, and he told me all about it. The pawpaw is actually the largest indigenous fruit to North America. The Ohio Valley, Virginia, Tennessee, the Native Americans took them all the way up to Michigan, all the way up to Canada. There's actually a town in Michigan called Pawpaw, Michigan. Hold on a second. If pawpaws are the most widespread indigenous fruit in America, why don't we see them for sale everywhere? It's been recently domesticated by a gentleman in, in Virginia. So it hasn't been in commercially in production for a very long time. So I can see that you eat them like an apple. Does, can you describe for us what it tastes like? You could describe kind of like a guava, banana, kiwi-type flavor to it. And when the fruit is really mature, kind of a mocha characteristic, Wow. very different. It kind of looks like a small mango. And when they're fully mature, they could be kind of become like a banana. Matter of fact, they're nicknamed Indiana Banana. So, kind of a fun fruit. So, are, are pawpaws popular now? I mean, are there like pawpaw heads? There is. There's getting to become a little bit of a following of, of some pawpaw people. <laughs> Indiana banana, man. That's, that's beautiful. It's righteous. That makes me a pawpaw person right there. And that's the dinner party download for this week. Thanks to Chrissy Clark for helping us set the table. And thanks to John Raby and Queena Kim. You should listen to their show, Off Ramp. You'll find that and us at kpcc.org. Click on the link that says Off Ramp. We leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to play on your way home or on your way to this weekend's dinner party. This week, it's an early one from Sam Cooke and his gospel group, The Soul Stirs. Which featured a young Lou Rawls. Correct. The song is called That's Heaven to Me. Bon appétit. The
Rico Galliano. And I'm Brendan Newnham. You've overstayed your welcome. Please leave. <laughs> 